Hi, you're listening to the sermon podcast of Impact Church in Fredericksburg, Virginia. I'm Pastor Brandon, the church planter and lead pastor. We are a new church in the D.C. area that is centered on the gospel and sent to our neighborhoods, Northern Virginia, and the nations. Please visit our website at www.impactfxbg.church. There, you'll find our current meeting times and locations. Our prayer is that you are encouraged by the message you hear today and fall more in love with Jesus and others. Thanks for listening. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Thank you guys so much. Uh, Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Impact Church again. My name is Brandon, and um, I just wanted to welcome you, and uh, so glad that you guys have joined us for worship today. Uh, We're going to have a great day, a great time of worship. Uh, Before we dive into God's Word, uh, we have every week what we call our Go Time. And uh, GO just stands for Global Outreach, where we talk about what God is doing through Impact Church in our neighborhoods in Northern Virginia and the nations. And so uh, today, I'll be pretty brief. I just wanted us to take a moment and pray together uh, over our upcoming GO trips, uh, Global Outreach trips. So it's pretty amazing. Uh, last week, we celebrated, and if you weren't here, I just wanted to, cele- you to celebrate with us today that, uh, man, we as a church are like six, seven months old as a church. And we are already sending people out to reach the nations this year. Like, like I love the fact that we're not a church that's sitting around waiting and saying, well, let's fill up all the seats in this room first, or let's grow, let's get a building first, or let's grow as big as we can first. Then we'll start sending people out. But instead we said, no, no, we got people. We got the spirit of God. There are people in need in other countries. Let's go. Like, let's go do it. And so I am so thankful. So can we just take a moment? Can we just celebrate that and celebrate what God is doing through our church today and uh, give the Lord some praise? And uh, that's a really big deal. If you don't know, some of you are like, well, it's just normal. That's what the Bible said to do, so we do it. But I just want you to know, like, that's not always normal in the church world, like, uh, for us to do that. A lot of times you want to take care of yourself first and then go take care of others. And so I love the heart of our church to say, no, we're um, we're going to, yeah, we are going to take care of ourselves with the Lord, but we're going to then use that to go reach others who are far from Him. So anyway, I love that. So I just wanted to let you know that we do have uh, three trips coming up and there are some flyers at the giving station so you can grab a handout on your way out today but uh, today is the deadline to apply for our go trips so um, it doesn't matter like there's no um, you know you're, you're just basically saying hey I'm interested in going on a go trip so there's no like we're not buying your ticket today or, or anything like that all right you're just saying this is just your first step your next step to say hey I'm interested in going um, and so you can see we've got a team going to Athens Greece uh, in June we've got a team going to Oregon uh, out on the west coast of North America uh, in July and And then, God willing, we're going to be sending a team to England, back to England in the fall. So um, so you guys check those out if you're interested in any of those. Fill out the application, um, get in the system so that we can get things rolling and going, all right? Um, So I thought we'd just take a minute today and just pray over what God is doing using us. Yes, in our neighborhoods. Yes, in Northern Virginia. But yes, also among the nations. So let's just take a moment. Let's bow and pray and uh, ask God's blessings over these trips this year. 
Heavenly Father, um, we do just pray, Father, that uh, your will would be done, that, Lord, you would, um, uh, Lord, send us on mission. Your word says uh, in the book of John, Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And so, Lord, we just want to live since. We want to live as a people who live on mission, on purpose, uh, knowing there are people who have great needs, physical needs, um, but also spiritual needs. And, Lord, the church is the only institution in the world designed to meet both of those needs at the same time. And so, Lord, we just pray that you would use us and send us out, uh, Lord, to go uh, take care of refugees and go tell people about you who are far away and to go help serve children and, and families, Lord, and, um, and, and to help start new churches around the world. So, Lord, just please help us be with our church uh, through that mission, Lord. And, um, and, Lord, I pray that you would fill these teams up. Uh, Lord, I pray that, um, Lord, those of us here today who maybe have been dragging our feet or, or maybe just felt like you wanted us to go, but we're getting a little anxious. Lord, I just pray you would remove that anxiety right now, and I pray you would give us the faith to sit down today and take that five minutes and fill out that application. Lord, I just pray you would fill the teams up with the people who you want. Lord, to go on mission with you um, through our church. So Lord, thank you for using Impact Church. Thank you for showing that um, it's not about the size of the church. It is about the size of our God. And God, you are big. You are um, more than we could even possibly imagine that you are. And so, Lord, it is for your glory that we go. Um, Lord, it is for your glory that we plan these trips. And Lord, it is for your glory um, that we spend our lives for the sake of the gospel. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. All God's people say amen. Amen. All right. Hey, uh, if you have a Bible with you this morning, uh, go ahead and get that out. If you're uh, new to church or maybe uh, haven't been to church in a while and you don't have a Bible, no problem. Uh, feel free to use your phone or tablet, anything that you may have brought. And uh, if you're like, why would I use my phone? Well, they have apps. They have an app for everything. So there's a Bible app you can download. Um, I use one called YouVersion, Y-O-U version. And you can feel free to uh, download that and follow along in today's message. Um, turn with me to the book of Ephesians, all right? Ephesians uh, chapter 2 is where we're going to hang out today. And uh, as you guys are turning there, take care of just a couple of housekeeping things. You may have noticed when you came in a uh, card on your seat. We call those our response cards. And uh, you'll notice a little blue tear off. We want to encourage everybody that's here today to fill that card out. Uh, whether it's your first time or your hundredth time, fill that card out and uh, drop it off in the offering box on your way out today at our giving station. It just gives us a way. Write a, make sure you write a prayer request. We have a prayer team that prays every Thursday morning that would love the chance to pray for you this week. And so uh, fill free to send that out, uh, fill that out. There's also a place on the back that has like some possible next steps, like uh, something you may be figuring out or thinking about. And uh, that's a way you can communicate with us and let us know ways that we can serve you and help you. All right. Uh, so you guys can fill those out. There's also a place for you to take notes today. So you can uh, take notes during the message. Not that uh, I have anything great to say, but God's word is God's word. And we believe that God is going to speak today. So I want to encourage you to take notes today. Don't let the sermon time just be a time where you sit back and decide whether or not you like it, all right? Um, we're not that kind of church. Uh, we are a church that says, man, we are just God's people gathered around God's word 
to hear a word from God, all right? So not trying to impress anyone today, just trying to hear from the Lord today, all right? Um, so let me ask you guys this question before we dive in. We've got a new sermon series we started last week called We the Church, and uh, in this sermon series, we are talking about uh, the different values that guide us as a new church. If you come in and you're a new church, it may feel a little awkward sometimes. Like, uh, you'd be a little awkward because you're like, oh, I don't know, like, where do I fit in? And, and you know, what do people think? and what do people do? And I just want to encourage you, like everybody feels that way because it's a new church. And so you're not the only new person today. You are literally surrounded by new people. And, uh, and so I love that about our church. But if we're not careful, sometimes we can sit back and be like, well, I don't know. I thought church was supposed to be this or church was supposed to be that. So what we're doing is taking just a few weeks um, to say, who are we as a church? Like, what do we care about as a church? What do we value as a church? Like, what are the things that we really feel like God has put on our hearts uh, to be as a church. Listen to me, this is my favorite part, that comes straight from God's word, right? Like we're not talking about values of tradition. We're not talking about things that we've just always done, so we always have to do them. We're not talking about values that were formed in some conference room of a church building by people that nobody's ever met before. Like we're talking about values from God's word. We don't even have a church building for people to meet in. And so we just, we're just literally like opening up God's word saying, what does this book say that we should value as a church? Um, so uh, that's what we're doing. So let me ask you guys this. Anybody here uh, a good bowler? Anybody a good bowler? I'd love, you're okay. I mean, that's pretty good because everybody immediately shrunk back and was kind of like, oh gosh, I don't want to like, I don't know, am I good? I don't know. I mean, is 200 good? I don't know if I can do that or not. And then Logan's over here, he's like, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I, I love the confidence uh, that you got there, Logan. Um, anybody else like you're good at bowling? Anybody? I just want to know, so I'd never go with you. Really? Gee, you're that good. We'll never go bowling together, man. Like, we're just not, I mean, I'll watch you. Like, I'll come awkwardly eat pizza and watch you bowl, like put on the show. One time I was in college, and uh, we had this uh, old raggedy bowling alley. Is that thing still around? Indian Lanes, yeah, still around. My goodness, they should have condemned that place a long time ago. I, but we went, and uh, when I was in college, and uh, we'd go bowling, we'd have these bowling nights. And so uh, one time they uh, had like a computer glitch. And I'm, I'm not a great bowler, um, but I, you know, I can get the ball down the lane. And sometimes it even stays on the lane, like in enough time to hit a pin or something. And so like, I, I, I can bowl a little bit. Um, but uh, but I, I, I was not having my best game at this point. And so, but we're bowling, we're just having fun. We're just a bunch of friends. And then there was this computer glitch. And uh, the computer glitch, for whatever reason, gave me like uh, the highest score that you can score. And I don't know what it is. I think it's 200. Is that right? Anybody know? 300. Okay. It was 300. So like it was, and, and then all of a sudden it's like the game is over and my name got highlighted and the little screen shows the bowling pins and they're high-fiving each other and the bowling ball has fireworks exploding and the whole place like starts a, like an alarm system, woo, woo, and everything's going crazy and there's an announcer that comes on and he's like, ladies and gentlemen, we have a perfect score. And I'm like, 
well, maybe it's not, maybe there's like a computer, but I'm looking around like I'm the only one. I did not bowl a perfect score. Like, I think maybe I broke 100, like if I was really trying hard, right? And so like, but, but there was this computer glitch. And so now everyone's coming to, like they, you know, I thought maybe they're going to hoist me up on their shoulders and march me around the bowling alley, you know, but I got some high fives and some, that's pretty cool. And, uh, but it was the hardest part because I, at first I was telling people like, no, 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 it was a problem. It was a computer glitch. Like, I promise. I, I didn't do it. And then finally, it was just easier to go, yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, appreciate it. And so uh, they took my picture. For a long time, I was up on the, uh, like the, because there were like some others that had perfect scores. So for a while, like I would have had a Polaroid of me, like nervously, awkwardly holding this bowling ball that I didn't even use, you know, and like could barely hold up. And anyways, it was just this really awkward time. Let me ask you guys this question about bowling. How many of you, when you bowl, uh, would do better if you put the gutters up? You know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah. Like, uh, we took the kids a couple of years ago. This is all pre-COVID. I don't know if people still bowl uh, now, but it's kind of like they, they had this thing, like this little thing where you could like set it down and you just push the ball down. You know what I'm saying? It like goes straight. And the kids love that because they'd get a strike every time. They thought it was really cool. And I prefer the gutters. Like, I, not the gutters, but the, what do they call the um, bu- bu- bumpers? Bumpers. I prefer the bumpers. Like you put the bumpers in, right? You can just throw that. It doesn't matter. It's going zigzag, zigzag. You can bolster. It's just like so much fun. You don't know where the ball's going. Anyway, it's so much fun. Well, guys, I want you to think about when we talk about we the church and we talk about like church values, I want you to think a little bit about like these bumpers. All right. I want you to think a little bit about like if we stopped up the gutters and put these bump these rubber bumpers in so that whenever like we're about to get off track, there's something there that kind of nudges us to get back. And guys, that's what a value is. Like when you value something, when there's something in your life that you believe so much in, that it becomes something that is valuable to you, then you start making decisions based on that thing that is valuable to you. So like when you're about to make a decision that goes against something you value, your value is that bumper that takes the bowling ball and just kind of puts it back in the right direction. And so you may wonder like, well, Brandon, what are values? Why are these values important? These values are important because they help us see like so that we don't get off track. So that if we're about to do something as a church, we have a list of things that go, hey, this is so important that we're not going to get off track with this. And so uh, so today we're going to be talking about um, our value. Uh, our second value. Last week we talked about a value of community and how we value that as a church. Um, today we're going to be talking about the value of the gospel. All right, everyone say gospel. We're going to be talking about the value of the gospel. Um, and now you may say, like, well, we're at church. This is a given, Brandon. Like, of course we value the gospel. In fact, I was talking to someone this week. He was like, what are you preaching on? I was like, well, we're going through this church series about, like, we the church and what we value as a church. He's like, oh, well, what value are you preaching on? I was like, the gospel. And he was like, oh, what a wasted value. And I was like, no, that's not a wasted value. He's like, sure. I like, everybody knows the gospel. Like, pick something else. Like, pick some, like, the gospel is just assumed. Like, pick something else. 
And, uh, and I'm not going to tell you, like, this guy's actually a pastor. And so I was like, well, I feel like it's probably not always safe to assume that uh, everyone just, you know, loves the gospel and cherishes the gospel. And so we actually want, we say at our church that we are gospel-centered, like we center everything on the gospel. He's like, but you don't have to say that because everybody already knows what that means. And I was like, yeah, but, but no, like I probably not, like we may not know what that means. And uh, what I realized is like um, this, uh, this thing that's happening um, that is like going on is, um, is, is saying like um, uh, this value of the gospel. When we say the gospel, like what are we really saying? I could go around the room and I could just interview and ask and say, hey, um, what is the gospel? And we could just pass the microphone around, and chances are everybody would have like a different version. Now, hopefully, maybe everybody would say something pretty similar, but everyone would have like this different, uh, this different idea, this different version. Maybe even some people like wouldn't even know and would kind of like uh, just kind of try to talk you some like church words and things like that. Um, but so we need to make sure that we as a church know what we're talking about when we say the words, the gospel. So if you're taking notes, I want you just to write up at the top, the gospel. I just want you to write those words, the gospel, the gospel. And, I, and we're going to talk today about what that means, um, what it looks like, and make sure that we're all on the same page. So um, when it comes to this, I learned very quickly that it's very easy for us to get off track when we're saying the same word, but we mean completely different things. For example, a lot of times when I do counseling, especially with couples, relationship counseling, marriage counseling, premarital counseling, what I've learned is um, couples can be saying the exact same thing and mean two completely different definitions. Like they're saying like, like uh, you know, you have to be counseling someone and they can say, well, I just want things to be normal. And then she's like, yeah, me too. That's what I want. I want things to be normal. But the problem is they have two completely different definitions of what normal is, right? Like he's like, I want things to be normal and look this way. She's going, well, me too. So we must be destined to be together because I want things to be normal too. And then they have two completely, and then dysfunction comes because they don't know what they're really talking about. It's kind of like, um, I remember, uh, you know, the first time, uh, for example, if I came here today and I was like, hey guys, uh, and maybe not here, I don't know, but if I was like, hey, anybody after church want to go and uh, play football? Let's go play football. It'll be a lot of fun. We'll go play football. It'd be really interesting because there would be some people that would show up ready to play football and they'd have like, um, they'd, they'd have like their pads on and their helmet and they're ready to go. And they're like, you know, they got their, their pigskin football, like they're just ready to roll. And they're like, yeah, I'll play quarterback. Like I'm ready to go. And then there'd be some other people that would show up and their ball would look different. Their ball would be round and they're not, they don't have pads on at all. Um, because you know, they're, soccer players, and they come in, they have like no pads, they have shorts and shirt, and, and they're here to play football too. And what we realize is American football and then football to the rest of the world are two completely different sports. 
So we could literally be using the same word, thinking we're saying the same thing, that we're both going to show up to play the same thing and actually show up and not even have anything that is similar. Two completely different games with completely different rules, with completely different um, sports balls. And so, guys, when we talk about like valuing the gospel, it is important for us to understand what is the gospel. So today we're going to take some time. We're going to actually dive in and talk about what the gospel is, and I'm going to define it for you. And we're going to define it together, and we're going to write down what the gospel is. Then we're going to come back and talk about how we value that as a church and what that looks like, all right? So um, if you're with me, if you turned uh, a while back to Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to read that together. And um, here's why I chose this passage. When we're talking about the gospel, I could have... um, shows in a few different passages. The reason I chose this is because I believe this, what we're about to read, is the clearest, most um, in-your-face, like, clearest presentation of what the gospel is in all of Scripture. Now, there are a few other ones, too, but this one, uh, to me, like, if you ever wonder, what is the gospel? How do I explain the gospel to someone? Then this is really what you want to read. So I'm going to read it for us completely straight. Then I'm going to come back and uh, kind of make some notes along the way. All right. Um, So Ephesians chapter two, starting in verse one. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work, in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. All right, now let's stop right there for a second. Stop right there. This is not, this is not good news, right? So actually, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. The first thing about the gospel is the word gospel means good news. It means literally like to proclaim good news to someone. So when we say like we want to be centered on the gospel, we're saying we want to be a people who are obsessed with good news. All right. And so the gospel, like for Christians, is good news. But we read this, these first three verses of this passage, and this is like the opposite of good news, right? This is like not good news at all. Listen to some of the words that are used. And I don't know if you're like me, but if you have a Bible, like feel free to underline in it or highlight on your phone. But listen to some of these words, right? Ephesians chapter 2 says, You were dead in your trespasses. Like, dead. Like, that's not, if somebody came to me and was like, Brain, I've got good news for you. And I'm like, yeah, hit me with it. And they're like, you are dead. I'd be like, eh, not good news. Like, not how I want you to start. And that's how this starts. You are dead in your trespasses and sins. And there's that, there's that church word, sins. Like, like, just that word can set people off. Like, it becomes this religious word that people associate a lot with judgment, guilt, shame. And, uh, and really, honestly, yeah, that's what sin represents. It represents those awful things of guilt and shame. And, um, and so he says, you are dead in your sins. Um, he says, you are following the course of this world. Then he says this, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. That is Satan, okay? So like, yeah, let's have some more good news, right? You are dead. 
you are full of sin and you follow Satan. All right. So, yeah, here's some good news for you. All right. Then he goes on and says um, that's at work in the sons of disobedience. So now he's saying, like, in fact, we were all children that were disobedient. And uh, this always cracks me up because people are like, oh, man, why you got to bring kids into this? Like, kids are so sweet, man. Like, they're just so precious and so wonderful. And, um, and so, and, they, and Eve, my Evie bug, she is. But like the rest of my kids, like, they're crazy, you know? And like, if anybody's like, I don't know, I don't know. We're not born sinners. We just you know, kind of fall into it sometimes. I'm like, dude, come hang out with my children. Like, like babysit my children. It'll be the best theology lesson of your life. Like, you will learn, because I, did, I never had to teach any of my kids how to sin. They just came that way. Like, they just showed up one day, and uh, when they were born, and just knew how to be sinners. Like, I didn't have to sit Zeke down one day, my six-year-old, and say, son, you're really too wonderful. You know, like, why don't you smash this ball through the window, you know? Like, why don't you get angry? Why don't you say something disrespectful for a change? Like, I didn't have to do any of that for Zeke. Like, he just came knowing, well, guess what? I did too. And guess what? You did too. And so the fact is, like, we are all sons of disobedience. Listen, then he says, um, we all lived in the passions of our flesh. We all carried out the desires of our bodies and our mind. And we were, by nature, children of wrath. Children of wrath. So not just children of disobedience, but children of wrath. Now that doesn't mean we were children that were angry all the time. That means we were children who deserved wrath. All right? So I just want you to imagine like that, that, that is what the Bible starts out with as good news. But then he says, but you were like that, and so was the rest of mankind. Everybody starts on even playing field. So if you're here today, and you're like, Brandon, I knew I was jacked up, but you didn't have to put words to it. Like, like I understand, like, I'm jacked up. I just want to invite you into a place where we, the rest of us are all jacked up to. Like, I just wanted to invite you and welcome you to a place where you are not the only jacked up individual in the room, all right? We are all messed up. We all have issues, all right? Let's keep uh, reading in verse 4. But God, somebody say, but God. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive. Everybody say, alive. Together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's a gift from God, not a result of your works so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Isn't this awesome? I love the fact that he spends double the amount of time in the good news than he does in the bad news, aren't you? I'm so glad for that. So here's what I want to do today, guys. I want to just go through 
And I want to just walk you through an acronym that will help you. Now, when we start talking about how do you define the gospel and what is the gospel, there are, like, you could Google it and, like, tons of things would come up. Like, like you would get all sorts of different definitions and people who've tried to explain it in all sorts of different ways. So I just uh, took one from uh, someone that I admire and respect um, who published it. And uh, it actually comes from a, um, a youth a student, I, many of you know I was a youth pastor for 10 years. Uh, this actually came from like a youth um, evangelism like conference type thing, a national movement. And I love the way he explains it so well. So, um, so I'm going to use the acronym GOSPEL, G-O-S-P-E-L, to try to show you what is in Ephesians chapter 2 and what the gospel of Jesus really is. So that way we are all clear um, and we, listen, the gospel and understanding the gospel is like a bottomless treasure chest. Like, you'll never get to the bottom of it. Like, we'll just keep digging and digging. It doesn't mean that we'll, like, create new things. It just means something is going to strike you as wonderful every single time you think about it. <laughs> so I want you to think about uh, the gospel in those terms, all right? So here we go. If you're taking notes, write these things down. First, we'll start with G. What do you think G stands for? God, good. Was it on the screen? Oh, not yet. You guys did that by memory. Good job. Nice. Yes, G stands for God. All right. The gospel always starts with God. And this is really important because the gospel doesn't start with us. We are not the main player in the gospel. We are not the, the star of the gospel. We are not the most important aspect of the gospel. And listen, some of you might be tempted to be offended by that. Like, what you talking about? Like, I'm awesome. God loves me. It's like he died for me. Yeah, no doubt. He, he certainly did. But don't be offended by that. This is actually really good news that you're not the star of the gospel because it is far too big of a job for you to accomplish on your own. So it is actually really good news that you are not the star of this show. Um, so what particularly about God do we get from the gospel? Well, specifically God's character. Like who God is. Now, I want you to remember, this is something we're saying as a church that we value. This is going to be something that guides every decision that we make. So listen to some things about God's character that we learn in Ephesians chapter 2. Like even from the bad things, there are things we learn about God's character. We learn um, that um, all of salvation and the gospel is centered around God. Like, all of salvation and the gospel is centered around God. We're told that it's not our works that saves us. It's the works of Jesus. So, like, everything centers around God. Listen to some of his characteristics. Number one, um, he's a God of wrath. But number two, he is also a God of love. How crazy is that? He is a God of wrath and a God of love. Like, I can't pull that off. Like, I'm pretty much a pendulum. Like, I'm either really angry or I'm really chill. But like, there's really not this time where I'm like really angry and like thrusting love upon people at the same time. Like, I'm not like, if someone cuts me off in traffic, I'm not like simultaneously frustrated and angry at them and thinking about stopping by Hallmark to get them a nice greeting card. Like, I'm not, that's not how my mind works. That's not how I'm thinking. But guys, this is, this is who God is. God is a God of wrath. Like, He is a God that has standards. He is a God that says, you need to live a certain way. And if you don't, like, there is punishment and there is consequence. 
But then God loved us so much that He took that wrath out not on us, but out on His Son Jesus to show us His great love for us. So at the same time that He is full of anger and wrath at our sin, He is showing us amazing love by not pouring His wrath out on us, but pouring His wrath out on Jesus. Like, how awesome is that? Like, what father do you know? We're talking about our heavenly father, but what father do you know who could simultaneously show his full wrath and the greatness of his love at the exact same time? Like, that is amazing, and that's who God is. Listen to what else God can do. God can show great justice, and God can show great mercy at the same time. Like justice is giving people what they deserve, right? So examples of justice in our modern day would be like fighting human trafficking, right? Freeing slaves, because we know that all people are made in God's image and they deserve freedom. Like we, we know that, right? So fighting against human trafficking would be like an example of fighting for justice. Fighting for poverty-stricken people, like people who are stuck in poverty, have no way out and need food. They need clothes. They need water. They need basic necessities. Like fighting for them is bringing them justice. Like they are made in God's image. They deserve these things that will keep them alive because their life is important. And like that is, that is justice. Mercy is, is not giving someone what they deserve. So like it goes the opposite way. Like justice is I'm in trouble and I need something. Mercy is uh, I'm in trouble, it's my own doing, and I deserve punishment. But instead of punishing me, God is going to not give me punishment. Like that is mercy. And God can show justice. He showed his great justice by punishing our sin. Like he punished our sin, but he didn't punish you with our sin. He punished himself. He punished his son Jesus with his sin. So he showed great justice for our sin and his righteousness and showed great mercy by not taking it out on us. Some might say amen. Like this is good. This is who God is. There's, let me teach you another word about God. It's the word holy. Everybody say holy. The word holy literally just means perfect, set apart. That God is, God is holy. God is perfect. He is not like us. And guys, that's something that we have to understand because I feel like a lot of times what we want is we want to take God and put him in the box that we can understand. But guys, God is not like he's never going to fit in your box where he follows all of your rules. Like he's never going to fit in a box where he follows just one culture or one political norm or, or one set of preferences. Like, God is holy. That means he is not like us. Like, he, he sets his own rules. Like, he created the universe. He kind of gets to do that. Like, he set all of his own rules. And this is who God is. And so this is why the good news of the gospel starts with God. It doesn't start with you. It doesn't start with who you are or the bad things you've done. It starts with God. It starts with the fact that he is, is capable of showing his wrath and demonstrating his love at the same time. That he is fully capable of practicing righteousness and justice and showing incredible mercy at the same time. That he is holy. And the Bible doesn't just say he's holy. Listen to me. It says he is holy, holy, holy. Three times, meaning completeness. That he's not just a little holy, but he is completely holy. Like he is 100% all in, like totally holy. 
And what I've learned is that if we have a small view of God, we will have a very small view of the gospel. Like a lot of times we don't value the gospel much because we've taken God and as much as we can understand him, we've settled for that. But guys, God is not, he is worthy to not settle on. Like he is so much greater than that. These things I've just thrown out, wrath, love, justice, mercy, holiness, like these are things that would take us a lifetime to try to comprehend. And like this is who God is. And so sometimes the gospel is not good news because we don't get God. Like we don't understand him. Like sometimes we don't, we're not like compelled by the gospel because we're like, I don't know, like it's just God. He's just some power in the sky. He's just some distant being. But guys, listen, the good news of the gospel is not that he is just some distant deity. The good news of the gospel is that you actually get to be in a relationship with this God. Like when you are in a relationship with him, you get all of his love. You get all of his mercy. You get get all of his grace. You get all of his holiness and splendor and majesty. Like it is open to you like a free gift that you get when you believe in the gospel. Like that's why the gospel has to start with God. All right. So let's do the O. G-O. And the O stands for the offense of sin. The offense of sin. So you notice here that we're not talking about like we didn't start with sin. We started with who God is. And now we go with the offense of sin. So here's the deal. The fact is our response to who God is, every single one of us in this room and every single one of us in Fredericksburg, Virginia, every single one of us in Northern Virginia and Washington, D.C., every single one of us, our response to God's holiness is the same. Sin. Our response to God's holiness is the same we mess it up. We fall short. We don't measure up. And guys, listen, I could sit here and I could just belabor it. But listen, the fact is we already know this, right? Like you're already intimately aware of your mess ups. You're intimately aware of the past that you bring. You're intimately aware of the things maybe you did on your way to church today. Um, so I want you to know that like when we're talking about these things that, um, that the Bible says in Ephesians 2, those first three verses that were dead in sin, a follower of the world, a follower of the devil. We do whatever we want. We do whatever we think about. We're children of wrath. We're dead in our trespasses. We've broken God's law. We're disobedient to God. Like we already know that. But the fact is that we have to be clear about the bad news in order to get to the good news. And sometimes what we're tempted to do is, is be so eager to get to the good news, to the less offensive parts of the gospel, that we sometimes leave out the bad news. But guys, listen, the fact is, like, as I've ministered in Northern Virginia now for almost 12 years, as I've been here, what I've realized is that um, there are two of the most offensive things about the gospel that people in, this, in, in Northern Virginia don't want to hear. The first offensive thing is that they're not a good person. <laughs> that they've messed up and they've done wrong. And the fact is, immediately people want to say, well, but look at what all I've done. Look at how much I give money I give away. Look how charitable I am. Look how generous I am. And they don't realize, like, no, actually, you've blown it in the presence of God. And the second thing that uh, people have a hard time getting past is that there's nothing they can do to earn God's love. And guys, that's what our sin does. Like our sin blinds us to that. And so I don't want to harp on our sin. Like I said, we're, we're very aware. But listen, 
the fact is sin is offensive. It is offensive to God, and, and it, it should be offensive to us. In God's eyes, even your smallest sin is a really big deal. Like, I know to maybe our government or our local law enforcement or our laws in America, maybe some of your sins don't carry the same weight. But in God's eyes, the creator of the heavens and the earth, your smallest sin is still a big deal. And I know that when I got in trouble as a kid, um, here's the deal. I never got to choose my punishment. Like it was never a, when I got in trouble, you know, like my mom never called me in and said, okay, Brandon, well, here's what we're going to do. Uh, you should not have done that. So how would you like for me to punish you? Because every time I'd be like, I think you should just show me grace. I think you should, I wouldn't say that, but I would say my version of it, right? I think you should let me off the hook. I don't think it was my fault. I think we shouldn't, you know, I'd start arguing my case. That is more like me. I would start arguing my case, doing my thing. Here's the deal. I, when I was a kid, I never got to choose my punishment. Now that I have three kids, they don't get to choose their punishment. Like when they do something wrong, when they break a rule, like there are consequences in place and I get to set those punishments. Now, sometimes uh, they can be bigger or smaller depending on my mood, because I'm not a perfect father, but God is. And listen, um, the one who makes the rules is the one who gets to decide the punishment for breaking the rules. These are God's rules. This is God's holiness, God's character that we sin against, and God gets to set the rules. And so sometimes we think, oh, a loving God would never separate himself from us. A loving God would never punish us for our sin. But the fact is, like, he gets to set the rules. And this is what God's word says, that one little act, listen to me, one little act of disobedience separates you from God completely. One little act of disobedience separates you from God completely. The less we think of our sin, then the less we think of God and his holiness. We find ourselves dead and separated from God because of our sin. Like our offense of sin is a really big deal. But there is good news, and that gets us to the S. So if you're still, still hanging in there with me taking notes, G-O-S. And the S stands for the sufficiency of Christ. That word sufficiency just means is enough, he, that Christ is enough for us. He is sufficient for us. The sufficiency of Christ. Christ. Listen, Jesus Christ really is the Son of God. Like Jesus came down as uh, God to come be with us and take the punishment that we deserved. Um, I, I, um, Jesus, listen, Jesus has to be God. Like, and a lot of times I, um, I remember I was um, out at a place and we were still in Fairfax County and um, and I just remember, like, uh, we, our church was doing this outreach event. We had a bunch of different religions. There were people like Muslims and Hindus and uh, Buddhists and, uh, and Christians. There, there were just some different religions around. I remember uh, some people saying, like, hey, Brandon, I know you're like a Christian. I know you're a pastor. But can you just be really careful and tell your people to be really careful? Like, we don't mind you talking about Jesus. We just don't want you to mention Jesus as anything other than, like, just a religious figure or, like, another option. And I was like, well, like, I understand where you're at, but that would actually, like, no, well, I'm not going to do that. Like, like, and they're like, yeah, yeah, but just don't say this word. Don't say Jesus is the Son of God. 
Like, you say anything else, like, we don't care you, because I was going to get up and speak and share the gospel, and they, they were getting nervous, and, they, and this person, like, claimed to be a Christian, and she just kept telling me, like, don't, don't, like, say anything else you want to, but just don't say that Jesus is the Son of God, um, and so I was like, no, I'm sorry, I can't do that, because, listen, Jesus has to be God, or this gospel isn't real. Like, if Jesus isn't God, then none of this matters. Like, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, this is all really foolish what we're doing here today. Like, if Jesus Christ isn't completely God, and I, I'm not doing that to be, like, purposefully and uh, intentionally offensive. I'm just saying, like, like, for us as Christians, like, this is the cornerstone of what we believe. Like, we, we can take other preferences and water those down, but this is something we got to stand firm on. This is something we got to, like, we, we can't just phone in, we got to hold on to, is that Jesus Christ really is the Son of God. We can't hide from who Jesus is to avoid offending people. We cannot hide from who Jesus is just to avoid offending people. And listen, the bottom line is, like, if anyone is offended by that, if you're offended by that today, I'm not trying to offend you. And I just want you to ask, could it be that you might be just offended by who Jesus is and not by what we're saying here today? The fact is, like, Jesus is God. And the good news is that God didn't just, like, claim to love us from heaven, but he sent Jesus to come show us his love. It's not like God was just in heaven and said, yeah, I'm a God of love. I'll see you when you get here. And then we all just have to hope that we got all of our affairs in order. And when we go to God, he'll just let us right on in. Like God didn't do that. He gave us proof. Like he sent his son Jesus to show us the proof of his love. Like when I proposed to Ellen, some of you know this story, but, um, and Ellen's not in here, so I can tell it however I want to today. But when I proposed to Ellen, all right, um, I had to actually try to propose like three times, all right? Um, because my girl, I love her so much, but the girl just can't exist past 9 p.m. sometimes, all right? So it's like, you know, and, but me, like 9 p.m., I'm catching like my third wind. Like I'm, I'm ready to roll at 9 p.m. Like, let's go, you know? And so, uh, so I've got this, this diamond in my pocket. I'm trying to give it away to this girl that I like, and she just keeps falling asleep. And I'm like, man, what is the deal, right? And so finally, like, um, I'm able to, you know, the next day, uh, we got into this, like, big argument or whatever, because I can't tell her, like, I'm just trying to propose, and you keep messing it up. Like, I can't do that, so I'm just instead, you know, yelling about other things. So we go out on the next day, the next day, and I'm able to give her the diamond. She said, yes, we were married. It's so wonderful. Great story. All right, listen, how messed up, awkward would it have been had I just sent somebody else to propose on my behalf. Like, if I just called somebody up and I was like, hey, hey, listen, uh, this whole thing with Ellen, like, I've tried a couple of times. It's just not working out. Like, she's not listening to me. I'm not much of a morning person. So, listen, if I give you the ring, will you stop by her place and give it to her and ask her to marry me? 
Like, would you, like, that would be awkward, right? Like, no doubt, Ellen would have been like, eh, like, shut that down. Like, that wasn't going to happen. Well, guys, like, sometimes that's how we, we treat God sometimes. It's like that he's this distant thing, and he's just like sending a messenger to say, hey, you should follow God and be religious. But that's not what God did. God came down to you. Like, God left his throne in heaven, and he came down in the form of a man, in the form of Jesus. He didn't just propose by proxy. Jesus, God came down in the form of Jesus to come to you, not uh, by you, not sending a messenger, not some other way. God came directly to you, walked on the earth that you live on, breathed the air that you and I breathe, like suffered the temptations that you and I face, dealt with the hardship and the stress that you and I deal with every day. Jesus felt that. Jesus bore that. And then Jesus took that and he went to the cross for you and showed his amazing love for you. Like God did not love you from a distance. God came down to you. Like this is who Jesus is. Like, like Jesus lived the life that you and I couldn't live. Like he came and under every temptation, under every stress, you and I live and sometimes we get it wrong. Jesus lived that same life and never got it wrong. He did it perfectly what we do so brokenly. And, and then Jesus took his perfect life and gave it gave it, offered it, volunteered it as a sacrifice, as a punishment for our lives. So guys, we were on the hook. We were dead. We were suffering and facing a future of punishment, of wrath, of anger, of death, of separation from God. And Jesus was riding solo over there. Like Jesus was by himself, completely perfect, completely without blemish. And Jesus said, you know what? I'll stand in the gap. And in that gap was a cross. And Jesus hung. He allowed himself to be hung and crucified and killed on that cross so that anyone over here who is stuck in their sin, stuck in their ways, feels like there's no hope, feels like they're too far gone, feels like there's no hope for them, can believe in Jesus and walk through the gap and receive the life that they didn't live, but Jesus lived for them and gave them freely. Like this is what Jesus offers to us. Jesus is sufficient for our disobedience. Jesus died that death that we deserved. Like we deserve, listen, not just to be on a cross, we deserve to stay here. We deserve to be stuck here, distant from God for an eternity. I deserve that. Every single one of us deserve that. And Jesus said, that is not good. Anyone who believes in me can actually come over and have a relationship with God for an eternity. Jesus conquered the enemy that you and I could not conquer. He conquered death completely. 
Because after he died on the cross, they took his body down, they rolled him up, they put him in a tomb, and he didn't stay there for a day. He didn't stay there for two days. He stayed there for three days dead, like dead dead, like, like heart stopped, like he was dead. And then Jesus, when he wanted to, picked himself up from the grave. Like he didn't just like, nobody had to come and say a prayer over him or splash some holy water or do a miracle. Jesus just decided he didn't want to be dead anymore. And he picked himself up from the dead to show that he really is the son of God. He really is everything that we need. And anyone who believes in him, listen, will never be put to shame. Like if you believe in Jesus, you're believing in the one who killed death, who said, death, you're like the worst thing that could happen to someone, but if they believe in me, you will be the best thing that's ever happened to someone. Like only Jesus can do that. Jesus is sufficient. Four times in Ephesians chapter 2, what we just read, is the phrase in Christ. Four times. Four times in ten verses we hear in Christ, with Christ, in Christ, with Christ. The point is, is that this doesn't happen without Jesus. But the good news is that anyone, anywhere, can be forgiven of their sin and have a personal relationship with God. So how do we do that? You go, Brandon, that's really good news. So what? What do we do? How do I, how do I get that? Well, let's go to the next letter, P. The next letter is P, and that P stands for personal response. I know, everybody wanted to say pray. But it's personal response. We have a personal response to the gospel. And the good news is that God doesn't just thrust this on everyone and say, well, you have to believe it. The good news is, like, God says, no, this is a relationship. So I'm coming to you. I've done everything you need for this relationship. Now all you have to do is believe in me. Um, we're told in verse 8, uh, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift from God. Like, like this, is, this is how we have a personal response. And our personal response is to trust in Jesus. Our personal response is to believe in him. Our personal response is to know that he really is everything that he says he is. And we are all in. So I wonder, like, why did God choose this way to save us? Like, why did God choose to wait on our faith? Like, why did he choose to say, um, okay, yeah, you have to believe in me? Like, why not just use our good works? Makes kind of sense, right? In our society, in our consumeristic, capitalistic thinking, we go, well, you know, at the end of the day, just get me to heaven, put all my good works over here, my bad works over here. If I'm good, I'll get in. If I'm not, like, like that's that's why. Um, why not just being a good person? Why not say like, hey, if you're a good person, you can go to heaven. Why not just say, well, how much you give to charity? If you give enough money away, if you're generous enough, um, why not just if you have good morals? Why not if you just vote a certain way? Why, why not if you're smart enough? Why not if you have enough degrees or went to the right colleges? Why not if we just have enough riches or enough wealth or enough money or if we had enough, uh, a better job or a high-paying ranking at our job? Like, why didn't God use any of that to save us? Well, he did that so that there would be no shadow of a doubt who does the saving. 
The saving is done by Jesus and Jesus alone, not our good works. In fact, I would tell you, faith is the opposite of works. Faith is the opposite of works. Like, if you're really believing in Jesus and you're really like, man, I believe, like I want this. I want a relationship with God. I believe in Jesus. Then what you're saying is Jesus did all the work for you. Like you believe in that. And then to work your way for God to like you more, to work your way, to be a good enough person, to stop sinning enough, to give enough money, whatever it is for you, like that would be the opposite of trusting in Jesus. That would actually be trusting in yourself. Listen, like, like that's why God says your personal response is to believe in me, to have faith in me. Listen, the gospel, this is what I love, the gospel is not just for information, the gospel is an invitation. The gospel is not just information like we should write all this down so that we can studiously know about God. Listen, if you walk away from here today and you have a bunch of information about the gospel, but you have never accepted the invitation of the gospel, then you are just as empty as you were when we started. The point of the gospel is not to have more information. The point of the gospel is to accept God's invitation. And his invitation is a personal relationship. His personal invitation is not to go to church. It's not to be a better person. It's not to have better morals. It's not to get your act together. God's invitation is to actually just be in a loving, grace-filled, mercy-driven relationship with him. Here's the E. G-O-S-P-E stands for eternal urgency. Eternal urgency. In verse 7, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7, it says, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace. In the coming ages. What is that coming ages? The coming ages means that there is an eternity coming for everyone. That, that everyone has an eternal life. <laughs> we believe that, um, and I believe this with all of my heart, that when you die, you're going to go somewhere. That everybody, when they die, goes somewhere. That everybody is going to live forever. Like your soul is going to last for an eternity. The only question is, is, is where will your soul last for an eternity? Will your soul last for an eternity with God? Or will your soul last for an eternity separated from God in a place called hell? A lot of people get wrapped up and they're like, oh, would God really send people to hell? And I, that may be a conversation, a discussion for a different day, but the fact is that hell is eternal separation from God. And the fact is that without Jesus, that's what all of us deserve. Without believing and trusting in Jesus, that's where all of our lives are headed to. But Jesus literally snatches us from that future. He literally takes our life and saves us. From that. If you've ever wondered, what does it mean to be saved? That's it. It means you were running straight into a place of eternal danger. And Jesus snatched you up, saved you from the fiery pit, and placed you in the arms of a perfect heavenly father. Here's what the L means. G-O-S-P-E-L. L stands for life transformation. Life transformation. 
So this is the good news, right? We've got um, God and his character. We've got the offense of our sin. We've got the sufficiency of Christ. We've got our personal response and eternal urgency. And finally, life transformation. Look at Ephesians 2.10 with me. It says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Here's what I love about this. When you follow Jesus, you are given an entirely new life. And some of you are like, yeah, but I like the life I have. Yeah, but you're really missing out, all right? Like, listen, like, like Jesus, he comes in, and he doesn't just want to be a religious tack-on. Like, he's not just a, an add-on widget to your life that you can just put to hope that you got a full balance of life, okay? Jesus wants all of you. He wants to be totally, like, he wants you to be totally in to a relationship with him. And when you are, listen, he changes your life. Like, he comes in, and he takes all the bad. He takes all the hurt. He takes all the shame. He takes all the guilt that has driven so much of what we do, and he erases it. Listen to me. He doesn't store it in a box to bring out later when he's upset. He erases it. He takes the hurt, the pain that caused so many tears to fall, and he wipes them like a mother would wipe the face of her child. Like that's who Jesus is. Jesus gives us a new life. Like the gospel um, isn't just something that you hear at church, you raise your hand, you say a prayer, and then you walk out and you move on. Like this is a life-altering truth. Like this truth makes you a completely new person. Like the gospel changes things. And here's the deal. Here's what I know. Most people in our city, they don't need more information. They need an invitation to a new life. Like they need an invitation that is readily awaiting them to say anyone that trusts in Jesus, he makes all things new. Like he's not going to take your life and put a band-aid on it. All right? He's not going to take like your brokenness and try to like gorilla glue it back together. All right? He's going to take your brokenness and he's going to lovingly say, oh, thank you so much and throw it away to never be found again and offer you something that is better and more beautiful than anything you could have designed yourself and said, here, have this. And this is what Jesus does because he has already got for you an amazing purpose. He has already got for you. Like the gospel doesn't stop at just I believed and I was saved, so now I guess I'm religious, question mark. Like that's not what the gospel does. The gospel changes hearts. Like I want you to imagine this is why this has to be a, 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 a bumper for us. This is why this is so important and has to be a value for our church because the gospel is not just a list of rules. It's not just a passage of scripture. The gospel is power. The gospel is a power that can take a life that is dead and make it alive and we gotta have that like how many of you want to be a part of a church that when you walk in everybody's pumped up because they used to be dead and now they're alive 
Like they're not walking in full of like religious duty with weights on their shoulders going, yeah, well, I almost didn't come today, but here I am. You know, no, they came in and they said, no, I had to be here because like a month ago I was dead. I didn't even know what I was doing. And now God's changed my life. Like how many of you want to want to be a part of that worship service where people are like, I can't contain it because of what God did in my life. Like I am not who I was. Like I am brand new. Like, how many of you want to be a part of that church? How many of you want to live in a city that is full of transformed people? Not people who are attending a church. I'm talking about a city full of people who have been changed and utterly transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. That they can't be who they were because now Jesus is in control of their life. And now they're full of peace. Now they're, they're full of good works. Now they're full of the presence and the Spirit of God. Man, that could change a city, couldn't it? That would change Fredericksburg. That would change everything. And if that changes Fredericksburg, listen, it would change the nations who are in Fredericksburg. Like all of a sudden, people who come in and all they've been exposed to their whole life is, is one religion that just puts weight on them after weight on them. And then they are exposed to good news that actually God doesn't want anything from you. God wants something for you. And when they hear that good news, their life is changed and then their family is changed and then they take it back to their country and entire villages and tribes and cities and communities and places that you and I would never even know about become changed because of the gospel being valued in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Man, how many of you want to be a part of that movement? Like this is why the gospel can't just be assumed that we're going to do it. It is a value of this church. It is what we hang our hat on. It is the power of God unto those who are being saved. And so I just want to ask you, I want to leave you with three questions today. And, uh, and I want to ask you which one you fall under. And none of these questions are meant to be judgmental. They're meant to be evaluative. All right? So don't, I, don't, I don't want you to think, oh man, you know, he made me feel so good. Now he's putting judgment on me. I'm not. I'm just saying, let's evaluate where we're at. So here's my first question. Number one, are you here today and are you gospel-less? Are you gospel-less? I'm not asking, are you religious? I'm not asking, do you go to church? I'm not asking, are you good? I'm not asking, are everything, is everything clear and up to date on your taxes? I'm not asking you that. Here's what I'm asking you. I'm asking you, are you gospel-less? What we're talking about today, this wonderful news of who we were, but who we can be with Jesus, do you lack that in your life? I'm not asking you, have you been baptized? There, I know plenty of people who have said prayers, walked aisles, taught Sunday school, taught community groups, been baptized, and they are gospel-less. The gospel doesn't rule or run any part of their lives. Are you here today and are you gospel-less? If you are, then I want to ask you to focus on the P section of today. Would you go all in and accept God's invitation for a real relationship with him? Some of you may say, well, Brandon, how do I know or not? I don't know. Let's let God sort all of that out. Let's just sit here today and say, I'm not content with the gospel in my life, and I want more. Here's the second question. Are you gospel light? Are you gospel light? 
Would you say, yeah, Brandon, I, I believe. Everything you said today, I'm down with. Like, it's overwhelming. That was a lot. That was crazy. But yeah, no, I'm in. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I believe in that. But how, how does the gospel like, like do, like how does, how does that, what does that matter tomorrow? Like, what does that matter when I go to the restaurant today? What does that matter when I leave here? Like, what does this matter? That's what we would call a gospel light. Someone who says they believe in it, but it really doesn't guide any part of their life. It was something they believed in when they were a kid, and so now they just still believe in it. And it hasn't dictated or directed or transformed any aspect of the way we live. That's a gospel light person. I just want to ask you today, are, are you living in that? Where you'd say, Brandon, actually, these truths don't dictate anything to me. Um, I want to just confess this to you today. The Lord spoke to me very clearly this morning. I was sitting here with Zeke. We were listening to the worship team, and I was just getting ready for today. And God gave me a verse of Scripture. He said, turn to this verse. And so I went, and I looked, and I started reading. And, and God just told me something. I didn't even know that I needed it. And I said, so you want me to read this to the church today? He said, no, dummy, it's for you. Like, it's not for them. You don't read it to them. Read it to yourself. And I was like, oh, you don't have to call me a dummy, but okay. So I was kind of reading it, you know, and I was like, wow. And God just really spoke to me because here's the deal. I've been living a life that has been like gospel, full of gospel for other people, but a little gospel light for myself, getting a little discouraged, getting a little down. And just trying to pick myself up by my bootstraps and just trying to fake it till I make it and just trying to do it. And God today said, yeah, I think we're done with that. Like, here's the good news. And he used a word that I'd never seen or noticed in the Bible before that meant more to me than I could possibly even communicate to you today. Guys, that's what it means to be gospel light is that we, we believe in the gospel, but it doesn't change anything about the way we live. Here's the third question. Are you gospelized? Are you gospelized? That means full of the gospel. Are you like, no, I'm in. Like, I believe in this, and it directs everything that I do. And guys, we want to be a church that is gospelized. A church that values the gospel so much that it's not just a message we proclaim, it is a message that dictates every decision we make as a church. So this is what it may mean to be gospel-centered. Did we get the image? Mark? Yeah, okay. Uh, Emma, go ahead and put that uh, image up on the screen. I want you guys to see a bicycle wheel. And you look at it and you go, oh, it's a, it's a bicycle wheel. And there's a wheel and rubber and there's spokes. And I want you guys to see with me, though, what it looks like to be a truly gospel-centered church, a gospelized church. Not gospel-less, not gospel-light, but gospel-ized. And here's what it means. I want you to imagine, like a lot of times we would naturally, uh, when we think about our lives, we would be very tempted to put ourselves as the center point. Where the, where the bolt is, right? Like we'd be tempted to go, yeah, I'm at the center and there's all these things that, that I have to do in my life. But the gospel actually says you're not the center. Actually, um, Jesus is the center. And so to be a gospel-less church is to put yourself at the center. And then every decision we make is based upon making you happy in the center. And that's what a lot of churches do. That's what a lot of businesses and consumers do, is they put themselves at the center, and then all those spokes are all the things we have to do to keep whoever's at the center happy. That's a gospel-less 
or a gospel-like church. A gospelized church, a gospel-centered church, has Jesus at the center. And then every spoke that comes out is a different thing that we do because of Jesus. So one spoke may, might be our kids' ministry. And you look and say, well, why do we have a kids' ministry? We have a kids' ministry because Jesus stinking loves kids. Like, it's all through Scripture. So we do that because we want even our kids' ministry to be gospel-centered. You say, well, do you uh, take up an offering? Yes, we have, we have uh, our giving station where we give our tithes and our offerings, and that's another spoke. But it's not about us. It's not about so we can have a lot of money or do a lot of stuff. It is about Jesus and about getting the gospel out to more people, about sending these teams all over the world that we're going to be doing this year. Like, like, you see what I'm saying? Every single thing we do as a church doesn't come out of a program that fits us, but it comes out of a love and a desire to make Jesus famous, to make this gospel message the most important message in all of Fredericksburg. That's why we exist. And every spoke we add to this wheel from now for the next 50 years of this church, every spoke we add to this wheel, we will ask the question, does it make Jesus famous? Does it make this message that we've talked about today go throughout Fredericksburg, throughout Northern Virginia, and among every nation on planet Earth? And if it doesn't, it doesn't get on the bicycle. But if it does, we add it to the spoke, and it receives its source and its love from Jesus. Now let me make it personal. We can say this all day, every day. And worship team, you guys can go ahead and come up. We can say this all day, every day. We want to be a gospel-centered church. Gospel's going to drive our value. But here's the deal. If we say we're a gospel-centered church, but we don't have gospel-centered people in our church, we are not really a gospel-centered church. What makes a church gospel-centered is not our programs. What makes a church gospel-centered are the people believing in the gospel. And so I just want to ask you here today, what camp you fall in and where you want to be? Like, you might be here today, and you might be thinking, Brandon, I'm gospel-less, but I don't want to be. And brother, sister, you don't have to be. You can receive that invitation today. You might say, Brandon, I'm gospel-light. And I would say, again, praise God that you've got the gospel, but it can do more than just be information. It can guide everything you do. Who is the center spoke? Who are the center of your life that all the spokes come out of? Are you at the center of your life and therefore every decision you make is about you, your success, your happiness, the things you want to do? Or is Jesus at the center of your life? Making him famous and this message of the gospel that you are dead and now you're alive. And so every decision you make, where I live, what job that I have, who I date, what relationships I have, who I marry, the things that I do with my life and in my spare time, the friends that I have, all of that is going to be dictated by King Jesus, who is the very center of my life. Would you guys all bow and pray with me? Just bow your heads where you're at. And I'm just going to give you a moment. Our worship team is going to pray over you, or uh, play over you. And I'm going to give you a moment to just think about what we've said. And if you want to accept that invitation from the Lord, may I just encourage you to do that right now where you're sitting.
I'm going to say a prayer over us and then we're going to respond to the Lord. But before I pray, I want to encourage you if you're here today and you have never believed in the gospel and today is the day you want to accept that invitation, I want to encourage you on your response card today, there's a place on the back that says, I want to follow Jesus. If you check that box, then I will help you take your next step. Or someone from our church will help you know what you should do next. But if that's you today, that's what I want you to do. And the rest of us, if there's something that needs to change in our lives to be more gospelized than gospel life, I want to encourage you, feel free to put that on your response card and we'll pray over you. But guys, we don't have time as a church. There is an eternal urgency. And we do not have time as a church to say that we're gospel-centered and not actually be gospel-centered. So I'm going to pray, and as soon as I say amen, we'll go into our response time. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. And Lord, I just pray over every person here today, Lord, that you would fill our hearts with exactly what we need. And I pray the message of the gospel would be power to those who believe today, that it would be powerful enough to change even the hardest of hearts and the, the shameful of past. Lord, that you would make all things new today. That we would walk out of here new creations today. More in love with you than we were when we got here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you guys all stand with me? Hi, Pastor Brandon here. Thanks again for listening to our Impact Church Sermon Podcast. If God has spoken to you today or you have a prayer request you'd like to share, please email us at hello at impactfxbg.church. If you're local to the Fredericksburg area, we would love to see you for worship in person. But if not, please let us know if we can help you find a gospel-centered church right where you're at. Feel free to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram and on our website, www.impactfxbg.church. Until next time, keep living the dream.